0: So I know sometimes it feels like we have lost hope in governments, we've lost hope in political systems, in political parties, in political leaders, and a lot of us are seeking change outside of these systems. And I completely and wholeheartedly agree with this. Okay? But hear me out, while we are seeking these alternatives out of these systems, we need to make sure that we are holding these political leaders accountable for their actions. But what do I know?
1: It's going to sound maybe bad a little bit, but I feel like we diminish our own value. Mm. Because we we like to say these things, oh, this, this is not my country, like, oh yeah, 65, mm-hmm. I'm going back to Niger. Niger is in shambles, let's not, can we, can we be real? Right? Niger is in shambles Niger is in When in you go shambles back to Niger, too. like so let, let's let's we're here so let's let's please um vote and, and use what we have here
0: this is but what do i know podcast with chit suzanne a space for affirming for learning and for healing a podcast and community where we're exploring our but what do i know moments in hopes that it helps you the listener overcome yours you ready Welcome everyone to another episode of the Boaduano Podcast. I'm your host, Chit Suzanne, and I just want to welcome you all to yet another episode. You'll already know the deal. This is season three, episode six. We are back with a brand new episode to get you through the rest of your week. So before we go any further, if this is your first time tuning into this podcast and hearing the sound of my voice, thank you for stopping by. I hope you enjoy what you hear on this episode. Make sure that you are liking, subscribing, commenting it definitely goes a long way with the visibility of this podcast and if you're already part of our podcast community you're already in the know thank you thank you for continuously listening and for you know being subscribed all right well for all our canadian listeners i hope you had a wonderful long weekend this past weekend was victoria day long weekend so what that means for me is just chilling sleeping editing and barbecuing so i hope you all had a wonderful long weekend and for our american listeners I know you all have Memorial Day long weekend coming up, so wishing you all a great long weekend as well. All right, let's go ahead and get into our cluing segment for this episode. All right, so for our clue in segment, I'm going to start off with a reminder. I have mentioned this on a previous episode before, but for all our listeners based here in the province of Ontario and Canada who are eligible to vote in the upcoming election, we do have a provincial election coming up on June 2nd, 2022. So make sure that if you haven't voted already, you are, you know, finding ways, you're doing your research into what political party you want to vote for. And that you're getting yourself ready for that election. Our main segment for this episode is dedicated to elections. We're going to have a conversation and sort of do a deep dive into each political party's priorities. So we got you with regards to that. So that can also help to inform you as you, you know, make your decision um, for Election Day. But yeah, so that is just a political reminder for all our listeners based here in the province of Ontario. All right, so next up on our Clue in segment, on a previous episode, I had actually shared some upcoming concerts and festivals that are taking place this summer here in the city of Toronto. So we're going to sort of continue on that list because as soon as I closed my laptop once I was done recording, more concert dates were released, more festivals are popping up. So let's share some more. <laughs> So as usual, um, and this took place every single year up until COVID, but we are back, AfroFest, the weekend of July 8th to July 10th at Woodbine Beach as usual. Outdoor festivals celebrating different African cultures, foods to different vendors. Um, So that will take place at Woodbine Beach July 8th to 10th it is free to get in but of course once you want to start purchasing things you do have to pay but I've been before it's a really cool time just seeing the different vendors performances they have a dance competition that takes place some years so I'll definitely be visiting this year that is Afrofest taking place July 8th to the 10th all right and then in terms of upcoming concerts Do you have some more to add to the list that we previously shared? So on June 17th, DeVito, Afrobeats artist, will be in Toronto. He's going to be playing at History. This is June 17th from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. Of course, this is African people timing, so take with that what you will. But yes, DeVito will be in Toronto again June 17th. And then in August, August 12th and August 13th, we have the Kendrick Lamar coming to Toronto. He'll be playing at the Scotiabank Arena with Baby Keem as well. So that's going to be lit. I got my tickets. I'm going to be there. I'm excited. So if you are interested, make sure you get your tickets for those. I don't believe they're sold out yet, but you already know. (laughs) Ticketmaster.ca. And get those tickets if you are interested. All right. And so similar to our previous episode, I don't have a song of the week for you all, but I do have an album of the week. If you haven't heard about this album yet, honestly... You probably live under a rock, (laughs) sorry to say. But this has been the most talked about album, I want to say, for the past week and a half to two weeks. And this is Kendrick Lamar's Mr. Morale and The Big Steppers. So I've listened to the album top to bottom. I've listened to it several times because I really wanted to ingest this album. Because I feel like Kendrick's albums are not just albums, they're like audiobooks to me at this point. I feel like I'm pulling away stories and lessons and it's a lot more than just the beat. And so with that being said, here are some of my favorites. So of course, N95, I enjoyed. That's going to give you, you know, your, I don't know that it's a club banger, but it's more upbeat for the people that are looking for, you know, something to bop to and dance to. That's your N95. Die Hard is really nice to listen to when you're in the car. Rich Spirit is a vibe. Silent Hill is a vibe. I really loved Savior as well. So those are some of my favorites. It might change the more that I listen to this album, but um, yeah, I find myself going back to listen to those, those five that I just shared with you all. So check that out. You know, I know that there's been a lot of discourse uh, surrounding this album, and I honestly think that that's a good thing. I think that it's important when we have bodies of art that make us think, that make us question, you know, the limits to freedom of speech. You know, what we say, how we express ourselves, and if that's harming certain communities. Even though we don't intend to, I think that all that discourse is important and it's great because it helps to give us a balance in society. So I truly enjoy the album for the storytelling, the art that it is, also the transparency that it provided. And I also understand the discourse that's taken place to certain records on on the album, such as Auntie's Diaries and so on. So, yeah, go ahead and check it out. That is Kendrick Lamar's Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. All right, so we are ready to get into our main segment for this episode. As I previously mentioned earlier in our and segment, We're going to talk all things elections, political parties here in the province of Ontario. So, you know, I brought someone on who's very knowledgeable in this field who could help us break it all down. I know that politics can often be, you know, dry and feel like it's a topic that should be covered by certain people. It should be listened to by certain people. But I really hope that when you listen to this conversation, you feel brought in and I really hope that it helps to inform you so that you feel like you are ready to make a decision come June 2nd for the betterment of our province here in Ontario. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this conversation. So for our main segment today, we are talking politics, Canadian politics to be specific. Um this is a very important and timely conversation because we do have an upcoming provincial election here in the province of Ontario on June 2nd, 2022. Um and some listeners actually, you know, requested this topic be discussed on the podcast to sort of inform the election, inform individuals on the election. So, you know, listeners, with me today I have Patience Adamu to, you know, have a deeper dive into canadian politics (laughs) this is one of those topics that i was like chid but what do you know about this so let's have someone (laughs) who is really entrenched in this field come and talk about it patience is the vice president of the afro-canadian political literacy foundation which is laser focused on improving political literacy among black folks especially millennials and advocating for policy that reflects our socioeconomic needs um, she also uses her educational background in politics to offer thoughtful perspectives on all things Canadian news and black issues on her Drip Teal podcast, which she co-hosts alongside Curtis Vermont, and that is available anywhere that you you know find and listen to your podcast. So, Patience, welcome to the Bow What Do I Know podcast. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you. I'm happy that you're here because I think politics is something that gives us a little bit of it gives some of us anxiety make some of us just sort of uh, whatever so you know i've sort of followed the work that you do i've listened to the drip to your podcast and i was like i need to get patience on let's talk about this let's do it <laughs> so thank you
1: i'm so glad that you invited me on i know that for a lot of people um politics kind of feels like it's above us like like or like it has absolutely nothing to do with us so i i'm i'm really happy to be able to share whatever perspective i have with your listeners. For sure. So um, let's start off this way. You know,
0: discuss your journey with us. How did you get into politics, political science, all that stuff? What has your journey been like through your your studies and the work that you've been doing?
1: I've always wanted to be in the political kind of arena. So for a long time, I thought I wanted to be like a foreign correspondent or like a, a political journalist who travels the world. Picture BBC in the middle of, of, uh, Ira- Iraq, you know, that kind of, of a thing. Uh, and then later on decided that I, you know what, maybe I want to be a political speech writer and being a political speech writer took me to, uh, Ottawa, Carleton university, studied political science and communication studies. Um, and it took me into uh, some spaces where I worked in government relations. So I did government relations work for the Pan Am games, Um, and that then decided that I didn't want to do that necessarily full time, but that is where my grounding and my interest in political and all things political comes from. It's actually from, from deep in, in my high school career. I I did it throughout university. I did it for the early part of my career and I'm still in and around the, these spaces. I, I think that, um, because we often don't understand politics or maybe we feel like Politics isn't about us. Um, we, 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 we don't talk about it. And also we kind of get pushed out of it a little bit. We got brought in, you know, when it's election time. We Okay, yeah, I want the black vote or yeah, I want the millennial vote. Um, but I, I've noticed through my career that I can't leave politics. I can't leave um, speaking about policy because there's such a huge gap uh, when it comes to people who look like you and I. So I stuck around Mm. for a bit.
0: Yeah. And honestly, thank you for the work that you're doing. I know there are a lot of people that, you know, want to get into politics or want to, you know, take on a more um, active civic participation. But it's just sometimes being informed. It's hard. And we can even get into that when I talk about some of trying to research some of the party platforms for this conversation that we're about to have. And some were not easily
1: accessible to me. (laughs) Yeah. so honestly it's a real issue it's it's a huge issue because i think people have learned and this is not at all a slight to you or your audience or anything like that but people have learned that when you put something uh, in in a book for instance it becomes very difficult for people to to access or when you put it behind a paywall it becomes very difficult for people to access so what the parties have done is that they've um released like these huge platforms hundreds of pages no one's going to read that. No one's going to read that times, you know, the, the four parties that, that exist in Ontario. Or the people who are going to read it are are going to already uh, have such um, a, a political position that um, it, it won't really inform at, at the level that you would want. Like, so you, you, you would ideally want someone who's open-minded to look at all the platforms, do a very thoughtful comparison and say, okay, for me and my family and the people who um, matter to me, this is the best party to 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 vote for. But unfortunately, what happens is that they load their platforms—the hundred pages, whatever you read it—you understand the policy, but then you already have such a grounding that you don't even consider the other parties because you don't have time, you don't have money. It it's a, a whole thing, so. It's really unfortunate, but it is a strategy, is what I'm trying to say. It's a strategy that the political parties use to get um to, to deepen their coffers, to deepen their um backing, and not necessarily make it easy for the opposition to drag their own pol- to drag their policies. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, see,
0: this is why we have you on here, <laughs> because I honestly would have said that, but not have known for sure if that was thin because that's what it felt like trying to I had to like search and look for and I was like why don't you guys just have key points and the Liberal Party did a little bit of that but some other ones like NDP I was surprised they had they had some points written out but then I had to download a PDF and I was like "Mm, I just need key points I don't need you know so this is why Mm -hmm. we have you here (laughs) and thank you for confirming what I was thinking. Um but you know before we dive deeper into politics I want to hear a little bit more about your journey um here on the but what do i know podcast we you know explore and discuss but what do i know moments i have dubbed them and these are moments where you know you might have felt doubt in you know through your studies your experience and your work in this field like but what do i know about politics like uh, how do i get a grasp of all this information that is ever changing ever evolving the you know the the nitty gritty of it all and the, the way that politics can also be a very harsh and cold <laughs> field as well. So, you know, did you ever, you know, have moments where
1: you were like, I don't know if this is for me. And how did you overcome that? Tons. Um, the thing about working in politics or working near politics is that uh, it's very uh, male dominated, male driven, even though at least at the federal level, we've seen Parity, right? There's, um, in, in, in Justin Trudeau's cabinet, there are just as many male ministers as there are female ministers still when it, when it comes to who runs the show, who's the chief of staff, who's the one making the calls, who's the one sitting at the table with the prime minister, the premier, uh, the minister, the mayor, whatever, it tends to be very, very male. And what, what they, they tend to do also is they tend to diminish the opinions of people, who don't look like them and aren't, aren't sitting at the same tables as them. So there've been so many moments in in my career where people have told me, what do you know? Like you, you you have little experience. You haven't been in these circles for long enough to have an opinion. Um, So Mm -hmm. I I have, I have had those experiences like my entire career up until like Thursday. Right. So it's constant. But one thing that I kind of keep in mind and keep, um myself anchored to is politics is the exerc- is the exercising of power right so when when someone is elected they have a term 5 years 4 years 6 years whatever to exercise power and we need to control that power and i think we forget that is that we think okay i gave you power for 5 or 6 years do your thing no no that's how you end up with a disaster. So people who are not represented in power, Black people, women, millennials, need to control the person who is in power. So when people say, oh, like you don't know anything, you don't have enough experience to have an opinion. No, no, no. That's exactly why we're here. We're here to say, maybe that was a good decision for you and your family from your experience. But based on my experience, I'm, I'm a second generation my parents came to this country as, as uh, refugees. Um, I'm a PhD holder and had to borrow uh, money to get to every every level of education that I've gotten to. So I represent a certain segment of the population that c- can benefit from or uh, can, can not benefit from the policies that they make. And that's where I get my power from. I don't get my power from you telling me I have power. I get my power from knowing that the people that, or the life that I've lived is underrepresented and thus needs more control of policy. Amen. Honestly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And this is why I I have that little portion, because I love hearing what each guest has to say about their journey and the moments of doubt and how they overcome it. And I think with politics, it's so important. I don't get my power from you, you know, I get it from understanding the experiences that I have. Like you said, you know, being a second generation immigrant for me, being a first gen immigrant, like just all the experiences and knowing that I'm very much a part of this society, you know, despite all the go back to where you came from
1: rhetoric that we keep. <laughs> Can we talk about that? Can we talk about that? Because it's very important. People like, like, so whatever racism doesn't exist. People saying go back to your country or go back to where you came from is racism. First of all, second of all, Just the fact that I'm a citizen, it doesn't even matter, like, I'm a citizen, I have, or I'm a permanent resident, I have rights, I have the ability to contribute, Uh, we don't talk about, or sometimes we do, at at the university level, I think people do talk about how we paid to be here, we built this country, you know, just as much as everybody else did, right, it's our funds that are helping to support this university system that, without international students, would this university system still stand? Absolutely not. They The buildings are already crumbling. Imagine if they didn't have those those international student fees. Those buildings would be crumbling, crumbling to the ground. They'd be a pile of ash. Anyway, all to say, people like to to use those things like, like, you know, you're new here. You have to respect the people that built it. No, it's still being built. Canada, as we know it, and I'll maybe get into this a little bit later, but the Canada that we know that is diverse open, welcoming is really only 40 years old. So it is only from the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which is a piece of legislation that was passed in 1982 that everyone got rights and freedoms. Before that, it was not everyone. It was certainly not you and I. So this Canada is very new. We're still building it. That means with every single year that passes, we are making really necessary change policy change um all sorts of of change legal change um that 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 is needed so anyway i I know we like to talk about how canada is so old canada is 150 years old no the canada that we recognize right now is only 40 years old so we're still building it
0: Mm, i like that honestly we're still building it and it's still very new like if you look at our population in comparison to other other populations such as the u.s and so on it's we're definitely still shaping and and building what the social landscape of this country will look like. Um, Absolutely. All right. So let's let's get into the, the provincial political parties. So we got an election coming up. You know, I want this episode to inform listeners. You know, I'm not gonna tell you who to vote for, <laughs> although if you vote for some parties, I might question why you listen to this podcast, but Good. let's break it down. So Liberal yeah. Party. From your, you know, your research, your experiences, what are some of their top priorities going into this election?
1: Yeah. So going into this election, I, I I don't think that the the Liberal Party has changed that much from uh when it was last in power uh under uh Premier Kathleen Wynne. Very much focused on education, very much focused on health. And health is a really big deal. I mean, we're coming out of uh, a global pandemic. Um, also, very, very focused on um, making sure that 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 we are navigating through this affordability crisis. What you'll see when you look at the the three major parties, certainly, but also the Greens and, and other parties that are are kind of making their way, is everyone is going to be anchored to this affordability crisis. And the affordability crisis is composed of the rising cost of food, rising cost of gas, rising cost of housing, right? That's kind of the trifecta. Uh, and the liberals, because they are our center party, right? So they're not too progressive and they're not too conservative. They're kind of our kind of stalwarts. What, what they're recommending is very much in line with what they were recommending before. So they lost official party status in 2018. Prior to that, they were our leaders when it comes to education. They were our leaders when it came to, maybe um, uh, I mean, not leaders, but very very strong on, on healthcare. Um, healthcare from the pr- fr- from the perspective of the provincial government is a lot of management. So, the money is given from the federal government, and then at the pr- at the province level, you have to figure out how you're going to manage that money. So it's very um, it's very much about how you structure it. I know you didn't ask me about the conservatives, but what, the, what, what Ford's conservatives did when they took over from the liberals is they got rid of a lot of the structures that were in place under the liberal government. The liberal government had maybe three different structures. This is called the, the LIN system, the Local Health Integration Network System. They abandoned that system and they put in one a one-tier system. So it's government, the system, and then the hospitals. And that, that Mm. was, that, that's how they set it up. That has, in my opinion, and in the opinion of other, a lot of other people, that has not been an effective way to manage a very complicated global pandemic that has, you know, touched us all. Mm. Um, So again, liberals really, really focused on education, health, um, housing, very much centered, right? So not too uh, progressive, not too conservative. They want to keep us going, but they really care about education, healthcare. I'm not sure if if your audience would know this, but the the big kind of beef that Ontarians had with the Liberal government in 2018. I don't know if you do. You remember what that was?
0: No. No? Start saying, it. I it might come back to me.
1: Kathleen Wynne is a lesbian woman. Identifies as a lesbian woman. Oh yes, yeah. She was changing the education system. Yes. I remember everybody kept talking about this. Yes. To integrate some LGBTQ2 plus education into the education system. Lots of people who are very traditional did not like that. But I I think that that was the wrong call. I I think that even if you are very traditional, um, Your child is not going to be able to avoid interacting with LGBTQ2 plus content, regardless. They're going to see it on TV. It's going to be all over the place. So all the liberal government was trying to do is to to introduce it to children in a way that is um tiered and that is sensitive and that just works, right? As as we're as we're we're growing as a society, as a as a as a people. Um, but people got really mad about that and the liberals lost party status went from, I don't even know how many seats, but went down to, I think, maybe four, six seats, mm. um, which is um, yeah, unheard of almost, virtually unheard of. Um, so that's um, the liberals.
0: Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. And you had said, you know, you you. I didn't ask you about the conservatives, but I was definitely going to get to them. I was definitely going to get to them next. So liberals... Education, healthcare, seems like to be at top of their priorities. Okay. Yeah. Let's hear what the conservatives are, have as their top priorities. I already have some ideas based on how this previous
1: administration has operated. <laughs> so conservatives are what we would call a populist government. So rather than kind of having... Some anchors and some policies that they stick to. What they do is they follow the thing of the day, like so they'll find out oh, people are feeling something here. Let's do that. So that that's what it means to be populist, right? You just kind of look at what people are feeling right now, very immediately, and you respond to it. Um, and that's how we got them in government in 2018. In 2018, they're big. Um, poster was buck a beer. We're gonna reduce the cost of beer to a dollar per per beer. I, I remember I, that. I, I don't drink, so maybe I'm really separate from this kind of thing. But I don't care how mu- I don't. I don't necessarily even want my government to care about the cost of my beer necessarily. Like. I would have. I personally have bigger fish to fry. So, so th- that that was their thing then. Their thing right now is again. Everyone is talking about this affordability crisis. So, what Doug Ford has has done is he has been responding to it, and he's basically telling people, "I'll give you more of this, you know, short term, uh, giving you back uh, money on on at the pump, you know." So he wants to bring down the gas tax. Mm -hmm. So that you pay less at the pump. We pay less um, relatively at the pump, right? Because we all know gas prices are determined by the market. But we can be insulated from those market prices if the government does something. So removes the the taxes and stuff like that. So that's one of the things that he's talking about. We've all, maybe anyone who drives should have gotten a check in the mail uh, in the last couple of weeks. So he's paying back uh, or he's refunding the um, registration, the license registration fees. So that is another way that he's kind of, you know, helping people to afford their lives or, or whatever. Um, and other than, than than those two things, he's really just promising more of, the, oh, sorry, minimum wage. He wants to increase the minimum wage, but only by 50 cents. The other two parties are promising uh, at least a dollar increase but he's promising 50 cents um and the other things are just kind of business as usual he said he's been taking care of ontarians for the last four years he's going to continue to do that so that that's kind of the vibe that we're getting and that's the benefit that the incumbent which is the the conservatives this time the incumbent has the the benefit of i've taken care of you guys if you like the way things are going you like the check you like saving at, at the pumps vote me back in um so we'll see but I, I will say that um all of the lockdowns that we've had in my opinion all of the lockdowns that we've had um i believe have been a result of poor long-term planning again because they're populist and they want um they they want the the short term the short term approval of the masses They don't do effective planning um so they don't yeah so and and that has shown up like so you 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 say we're gonna open everything back up um with restrictions not with restrictions the lack of clarity i think has been also on them and then like like i mentioned before um changing the way that health is delivered in ontario really impacted how the, the hospitals and the clinics were able to manage um, were able to manage the, the, the pandemic.
0: Well, listeners, um, that was the Conservatives. So (laughs) I believe right about now, you should be making an informed decision. Anyway, let's go to the NDP. So new Democratic Party. You know, like you said earlier, the Liberals are sort of our center. The Conservatives we know are more progressive Conservatives, they call themselves, are more, you know, to the right. And our NDPs are more left-leaning. So what are their top parties? I assume that they... I assume, and I know from research that they're very similar to liberals, but I think that they're sort of wanting to push a little bit more in terms of that progressive envelope. So, what are their top priorities?
1: Yeah. So, I'll be honest at the, at the, um, because the liberals lost all of their ground, all of their, um, they lost official party status in 2018. The NDP has kind of been, kind of taking a bit of that, that center um, space. But I think the the one way, so I, I can say that the NDP want to do everything that the liberals are doing, um, but a step further. And I'll give you an example. Um, when it comes to minimum wage, right now minimum wage is $15 an hour as of January 1st, 2022. Um, just to be clear, sorry, I have another thing for the conservatives. Doug Ford is the reason why it's only $15 because it was supposed to be climbing by 50 cents and he stopped it in 2019 saying, oh no, you guys can stay at $14 and Correct. do your thing. As you all know, or as as you should know, Ontario, the, the cost of living in Ontario has skyrocketed and to buy the average house price in Ontario is now, I think, close to $800,000 meaning that someone who makes $15 an hour will never afford that house. Let's just be very clear. Okay, Mm. so aside from that, uh, the NDP are saying not only do they want it to be $16 by the end of this year, I don't know exactly what date, but they want it to keep going up every single year until it is tied to inflation. This is really important. as, As your listeners should know, Inflation dictates the cost of living. So if our minimum wage is tied to inflation, we will never end up with a situation where people who make minimum wage and work 40, 45 hours, 50 hours a week cannot afford to live in the province. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. the problem that we're seeing right now is people who are working overtime, working like how many hours per week? They can have two full-time jobs and still not afford a one-bedroom condo. hmm So... Crazy. that That's what the, the NDP are trying to get us to a point where... And they're, they're long-term planners, right? They're trying to get us to a point where no matter what, you earn a living wage in Ontario, and that living wage will allow you to eat, pay your bills, including housing, and have some room for some of the extras. Because in Ontario, dental care is still not covered by um, by OHIP. Mm-hmm. Neither is um, um, pharmaceutical care, right? So if you need drugs, that those are not covered by OHIP. So you need that extra. You need another 10, 15, 20% to cover dental care and, and pharmaceutical care. So again, NDPs really thinking about how do we make Ontario the best place to live? Um, so that that's one example. I think minimum wage is the is the best example of how the NDP is going even further than the liberals mm-hmm. and promising a, a fairer Ontario. OK, so from what we just mm-hmm. talked about.
0: Mm-hmm. Which party does it seem like to you prioritizes issues that are important to millennials and Gen Z?
1: This is not going to be, uh, you're, you're going to think I'm I'm walking around the question, but I'll come back, okay? I would honestly say the Green Party. We haven't talked about the Green Party. <laughs> the Green Party cares about climate change, cares about ensuring that that millennials have all that they need when it comes to minimum wage and, and all that kind of stuff. They're also, uh, if you look at the representatives from the Green Party, they tend to be younger people, millennial and Gen Z. So I know it sounds like I'm I'm avoiding your question, but I I would actually say Green Party before the three major parties. Um, but then I would say it depends on where you live. Where mm-hmm. I live, okay. so I'm I'm in Oshawa. Where mm-hmm. I live, it's NDP. Mm-hmm. In other parts of the province, it's it's the Liberals. Um, but it, it depends on on where you live. Okay. Mm-hmm good to know um this question is also sorry (laughs) from from a from a party platform like a policy strictly policy and and the the reason why this is a little bit difficult to answer is because sometimes the policy isn't actually what the party does right like policy is like best like in in a perfect world this is what we would do but then when you look at their party and the people who are like sitting in different places you're like no 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 you, you don't, you're not going to do that. And you haven't done that. You've been in power for how many times and you haven't, you know, delivered on your promise. So, but from a, from a policy perspective, NDP, NDP is best for millennials and Gen Z. They're thinking long-term, which is going to benefit us because frankly, millennials and Gen Z have been given a raw deal. This is not good. It, when it comes to like, if, if you think back to the, the boomers and Gen X, they were able to save So you you go to work, you save and you buy your house, you buy your car, you um, take a loan and you travel. Every year they they took vacations. We cannot do all of those things. Either we take the vacation or we buy the house and we're tied to the house. We also can't afford to have children. That's a really big thing. People aren't really talking about that because it's like, I I don't actually know why people aren't talking about that, but it's very, very challenging. To afford children right now. And th- that's something that's really gonna hurt Canada because we have a declining birth rate. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty big thing. Sorry for interrupting.
0: No, no worries. This is this is why you're here. And I'm just taking it on in I'm like, okay, okay, this is great. Cause this isn't informing me as much as it's informing the listeners as well. Um, so this is actually a question from a listener. They wanted to know what party appears to be most fiscally inclined like what party would you say you can look through their platform and you understand okay this is where my taxes are being put to good use and and they're utilizing it and it doesn't necessarily have to be a we're going to slash all your taxes like you know but at least if i know where my taxes are going and that they're being used adequately then you know it gives me that that better understanding so what what do you think what do you say
1: I I'm not sure if anyone has released it a costed platform yet. Okay. So w- right now, most of the of the um, most of the parties have released it have released a platform, but mm-hmm. then they have a costed platform, and they usually wait until the last minute to release that. Um, but I, based on years past. I'd say the liberals. The liberals, if you look at the history of Ontario, they have the most governing experience. So they are the 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 yeah, they have the most governing experience. They are the the ones who have the most experience actually running the province, meaning that they understand um how to operate in a surplus, how to operate in a deficit, how to get us out of a deficit. Um whereas the NDP have only governed once in the last 40 years and the conservatives are um somewhere in the middle of, of the two of those so i would say the liberals are are the most um uh compre comprehensive comprehensive and transparent like comprehensively transparent with the um with the the voters and the taxpayers. I would okay. say that the conservatives, although they appear to be fiscally conservative, and they, they sometimes are, um, that comes at the cost of the taxpayer. So, for instance, um, with uh, w- with child care, so you are not accepting money from the federal government to give to your um, to your tax base to Ontarians for child care until the last minute. So then, so then you accept the money, but it's at the cost of the taxpayer, because then the taxpayer, instead of getting the $10 a day childcare in 2024, it becomes 2025 or 2026. So mm. um, things like that happen a lot with um, with the, the conservatives. And again, back to my example about healthcare, by removing the additional layers of the LIN, they, they sold it as, okay, we're saving taxpayers money because- we basically got rid of all these, we fired all these people <laughs> from the healthcare system. They don't work here anymore. But then there are all of these costs of waiting, right? So then when you go to the hospital, the wait is no longer two hours, the wait is six hours. Is that what you want? Is is, is what you want that you, you think you have COVID, so you go to the walk-in clinic and then you have to sit there coughing for three hours while you wait to figure out if you have COVID? Like, don't you want a more... Like a better system i do i don't want yeah. to have to go and sit there for hours while i could be working or while i could be at home getting better i have to sit in in the system because um you've you've gotten rid of all of these jobs to save me money but but i i pay taxes so that you can take care of me when i'm sick so mm-hmm. I, I hope that, that 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 answers the question i know that that when you're talking about about money it's a little people have different opinions on on what is worth the money. So,
0: yes, absolutely, but no, that definitely answers the question. I like that you touch on the fact that conservatives do often appear to be more fiscally conservative, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's being distributed exactly as it should be. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so we've broken down what each parties priorities and platforms are going into this election and thank you for this because this was so insightful and helpful and was easy to digest so i know like i already had an idea of who i'm voting for and this just sort of further confirmed it for me um but i want to sort of take a step back from the politics and look at more of the socio political discussions around politics elections and so on so one reason why i actually want to have this conversation with you is because i've had a lot of conversations with Younger people, especially younger Black people, who are just very, who have a lack of enthusiasm in politics, right? I don't think it's something that's very new. um, And it's something that I fear might even increase, especially the more that we move to a place where we talk about, you know, being woke and working out of the system, right? And we, you know, to reference U.S. politics, you know, we saw the first Black president. We thought that was going to change things dramatically. It didn't because, of course, he's just one man, (laughs) The system has existed long before he got there, right? So I think that people are growing tired of what exists and are looking to other grassroots movement and things outside of the system. And I agree with that, but I still think that until this system is dismantled, we still need to work with what we have or do both. We can have people working out of the system and we have people in the system working for our good, right? So what do you sort of think about this sort of current you know through your work with um with your foundation like have you noticed this lack of enthusiasm with young millennials especially black millennials it's um i don't blame them again I, sometimes i find myself just being you know uh, what's going to change but it but then i remind myself that some places people are not afforded the privilege to go and the privilege or the, or the right to vote there's some countries where votes v- voting and elections are rigged you don't get that option. They say today is an election on your way. You might be harassed and told to turn back. You might be deterred. There might be some kidnapping on the way. So you could like there. So when I think about that, I'm like, you know what, I can't waste this. You know, I, I have to have to have to do my part um, to make sure that I have my civic participation. I just I think it's important, but I understand that people feel differently about it. So I'm interested to sort of hear your thoughts about
1: about this. I, I love the question um, because first of all, you're absolutely correct. there's a, a complete lack of enthusiasm among young people, so millennials and Gen Zs and among people of color when it comes to um, civic participation. But civic participation is more than just voting, right? So if if people tell me that you know what I don't want to vote, I don't I don't think that in my particular writing it would make a big difference, I would challenge you. To do another form of advocacy. People do not know how powerful it is to write a letter or to write an email to their local representative. Especially around election time, that actually gets a lot of attention and a lot of um, interest from the people who are working on the campaign. So if you have a particular issue with healthcare, childcare, education, taxes, now is actually the time to send an email to your local representative, letting them know what your grievance is. So what your issue is with whatever happened and what you think they should be doing about it. Um, I don't believe that completely disengaging from the system and saying what was me, it's not, this is not something that I have any control over is going to, um, change that. Another thing that I say, so Curtis and I do a lot of work with, um, high school students and trying to do a little bit more work with university students, but, um, you know, given that you use the example of the United States, which has 300 citizen or 300 million people, and we only have just about 40 million people. So yep. if you actually think about the number of like the, the, The power that we have, because our population is so small, when we vote, it actually matters, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It it actually, so aside from absolutely everything you're saying about, like, we have free and fair elections, we have transparency when it comes to uh, the results, when it comes to polling, all of that stuff. Aside from that, we actually have very strong power when it comes to uh, our, our voting at the federal level, at the provincial level. And especially at the city level. Um, so I, I would encourage you to to pay attention to to that. Your voice is a lot louder than you think. Thank you for sharing that. And and like you said, I like that you mentioned that okay,
0: voting is not the only way to, you know, to to care about participating in your in your scientific action. I think that's a really good point. I think that's really, really important. And even writing, you know, we hear that. Oh, write letters to your local counselors and to your, you know, MPs and so on, but it's like And sometimes I wonder, do you think it's that we don't care enough about the issue or do you think it's that in the hustle and bustle of it all, we're just so busy that we feel like, what will my letter do? Or what will me, what will one vote do? What will, you know, I think, do you think that it's that we don't care or we're just tired and it's now becoming like a every, every human for themselves and I just need to survive? Because I also think that a lot of first-gen immigrants tend to think like this. Listen, this is not my country. We're doing a lot of things here, but we're still going to go back home. Let's just hustle, struggle it out, put food on my family's table. And as long as they're not kicking me out of the country, I'm all right. You know what I mean? So I feel like I wonder if it's that we don't care or it's that we've just gotten to a point where it's we've told ourselves, listen, Let's let's not argue. <laughs> let's just stick with the status quo, whatever
1: exists, and that's it. You know? It's a great question. I th- I think I actually it's gonna sound maybe bad a little bit, but I feel like we diminish our own value. Mm. Because we we like to say these things, oh, this, this is not my country, like, oh yeah. 65, mm-hmm. I'm going back to Niger nigeria is in shambles let's not can we can we be real right nigeria is in shambles would you go back to nigeria like so let's let's we're here so (laughs) let's let's please um vote and and use what we have here um and also for those of you who think that you're going back to nigeria let's be real some of you are still going to be here six months out of the year even if even if you decide to relocate back to nigeria you know at 65 you're still going to want the health care. Let's be real. Let's, let's just let's put that on the table because uh, getting cancer treatment for free is, is a real thing. Anyway, um, I think I, it makes me really sad to, to to hear the possibility that you just mentioned, which is that we've given up. Because it. I, I'm not I'm not sure that I've that I have seen why we've given up exactly. I I get, you know, the 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 hustle is a lot. We're tired. It's a very tiring um province to keep up with. There's always a new way to to make money or to save money and 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 things like that and it it is exhausting to be able to keep up with um what the newest thing is. But like I said before, we're only forty years in Canada like in Canada has only been this way for forty years as we're we're building as the country is building, we have a responsibility that that that's I know it's it may fall on deaf ears, but we we have a responsibility to help steer this country for the better, especially if if we want to have children here, if we want to build our families here. I don't know how to 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 share that that ownership and 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 remind people that no like the fact that we're here and we're taking citizenship tests and we want to get our PR and all this stuff it's it's ours for sure and perfect segue into my next
0: question because we're talking about you know access to that power and bridging the gap and making sure that politics is more accessible so, let's get into the work that you do, you know, the Drip To podcast that you're a co-host of, as well as the Afro-Canadian Political Literacy Foundation. Because, you know, political literacy, like financial literacy is becoming big, we're pushing it. It's not something that has a very robust syllabus in school. I hope I'm not wrong by saying that. Um, I know there's right. history in like grade 10 and, you know, but you don't really learn it in in great depth and length. So, um, yeah, talk to us a little bit about the work that you do with the foundation and the podcast and so on.
1: The biggest issue with the school system, both secondary and post-secondary is that we don't see enough of ourselves in history, geography, uh, world issues, even religion like we actually don't see people who are not European in in a lot of, of what we see. So what we have done with the afro- Canadian with the afro Canadian Political Literacy Foundation is um embed or center um history, sociology, psychology, anthropology, center that on black experiences. Uh so like like I mentioned, Curtis and I do uh an increasing number of work with the Toronto District School Board and the Toronto Catholic District School Board, um, to ensure that you know there is there are lesson plans. There's aspects of the curriculum that teachers can can leverage, um, and we are also building really strong relationships with currently the the federal liberals to roll out um, just more comprehensive, um, more comprehensive news. If you watch the news, CTV, CBC. Um, global, uh, TVO. How many times is the news told from a Black perspective or from an African perspective or from a Caribbean perspective? So I'm, I'm Nigerian. Curtis is Jamaican and Nigerians and Jamaicans by ourselves, just the two groups within the Black community and within Canada, we're, 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 we have some pretty big numbers, right? So telling Telling the news or repositioning the news in a way that tells that that speaks about how we are impacted or the parts of the news that are interesting to us is has been um understood as valuable to to the liberals in particular. They're the they're the party that has reached out to us and the NDP. The NDP has also reached out to us, the, the provincial NDP, that is, um, to say that we, yeah, to say that that we we really appreciate your perspective. So we're going to do more of that. Um, hopefully in the next little while, in addition to, like I mentioned, the work that we're doing with the school boards, um, we're going to continue to amplify um, Black voices, the, the voices of people of color across the the province and across the country. Um, we're going to try to get on more um, panels. So right now, CNN does this really well. CNN will bring in four different commentators to give their perspective on the Supreme Court nomination or on whatever, right? Like they, they do this, Canadian News doesn't do this that well, but mm-hmm. we're trying to get our names to the top of those lists so that when, Canadi- when CBC, when CTV wants to bring in a panel of commentators to speak about something that is current affairs um, in Canada, that we are the, the people that they call on And so we can offer a bit of a more nuanced understanding, both because we're millennials, we're thirty-one years old, and because we're we're um, people of color, we're we're black, we're African, we're we're Caribbean. So that that that's our our kind of next push is to um, be a little bit louder and amplify the voices of um, people who are making political change, civic change. Be a little bit more. abrupt and audacious with with that
0: i like the use of the word audacious yes but yeah no i see it sort of <laughs> gradually ramping up and um yeah no honestly amazing work like i said i'm tuned into the drip tea podcast i like the way that you guys dissect and analyze political events and news so i'm definitely tuned in i will be plugging Thank myself you. into this foundation and sharing it so um yeah no like keep up the great work it's needed in our community <laughs> That is for sure. Um, and I'm glad that you you and Curtis are you know like doing the work that you guys are doing. So I'm, I'm really, really, really happy about that, for sure. So I'm going to switch segments a little bit. I feel like we've had a very serious conversation, but we're going to switch it up quickly before we end the episode. Um, this is the Boaduano podcast. So we want to get to know, you know, more fun, lighthearted side of our guests. So I'm going to ask you four quick questions. And without thinking too hard, just give me the first answer that comes to mind. So, okay. <laughs> so the first one is if money wasn't a problem, what's one thing about your lifestyle that would
1: change? I would buy a luxury vehicle, Range Rover, G, um, like a Mercedes. You know, like a really flashy vehicle. Yes.
0: Mm, okay, love it, love it. Um, question number two: Would you describe yourself as a homebody or the life of the party? Homebody. Me too. Well, I feel like I'm a little bit of both, but these days I'm leaning more to its body. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is your go-to dance move? If you do go out, when you do go out, and the DJ plays a song, what what dance move are we hitting them with first?
1: You know, I'm like I'm really behind. <laughs> I used to hit the Azonto. That's how that's how behind I am. That's the Azonto is the last. But no, but there's this, there's this move. This, what's this one? Oh, I feel like that's the one that, that, that they do to the my piano my, dance. That's just- my move.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it! You know when the hey, just little neck movement is going? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Um. Okay. Last question. What's one place that you're looking forward to travel into in the near future?
1: So I'm going to New Orleans at the end of of, um, June, but that's not really a place that I'm really looking forward to going to. I want to go to New Zealand. Don't ask me why. Mm. I don't know why. I've just, I have it in my mind that I need to go to New Zealand. Okay. If you don't
0: mind me asking, are you going to New Orleans for Essence Fest? Yes. Because that also happens to be end of June. See, I'm missing out. I'm not going this year, but next year, I tell myself, New Orleans, jazz, I need
1: to be there i i can't wait like i can't like i people don't yes. understand like it, it it's a lifelong dream to go to essence fest i'm only only going for jasmine sullivan but i i'm so excited
0: i saw her in detroit yes. she was amazing so you're gonna enjoy it but um yeah she's, she's yeah I. she's I great you. she's great but yeah No. thank you for all those answers to the questions thank you for this conversation yes. this has been so great um, I'm looking fun. forward to having you on this platform more. I feel like this has yeah. been so lit. Um, before I let you go, you know, just share your socials, you know, yourself, the podcast, the foundation, and just where people can find and connect
1: with you. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram, Patience Eve. I'm on a TikTok. So I understand Instagram is old. Instagram is like Facebook now, right? TikTok is the new thing. So I'm also on TikTok patience.eve and the drip podcast to oh also the drip is on instagram the drip to sorry i don't even know my this is so bad um but i just believe it's the drip to i think drip so I searched on it, yeah. instagram um but yeah always happy to connect uh this was so much fun thank you so much yes. for uh inviting me on and yeah I, I look forward to connecting with you and and your listeners and, and thank you always for listening to the podcast That it means a lot it really does oh yeah you girl you don't know how we're
0: so happy when we have a few listeners who are like oh yay <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> honestly it's yeah it's amazing it's amazing
0: well yeah okay. thank you for being on again So with that we are at the end of this episode thank you for listening to my conversation with patients surrounding you know politics Going deeper into the priorities of the different political parties here in Ontario. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and I hope you feel informed and ready for June 2nd. If you have any further questions, feel free to message myself at the podcast page at BWDIK Podcast on Instagram and on Twitter or message Patience Directly as well. I'll put all her information in the episode description. We want to make sure that you're good. You really digested what you listened to and that you're ready. So, you know, feel free to continue the conversation, share, you know, like, comment, subscribe on whatever platform you're using to listen, especially if that is Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Of course, as always, you know, drink your water, mind your business. And this time I'm going to add vote on June 2nd and you all will hear from me real soon. Bye for now.